scripture passage today is Matthew chapter 4, and it's verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on the other hand, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all of these I will give to you. If you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, in this place, may we hear your voice, your words. Amen. So Jeff had the opportunity today to go and preach in Stephen's pulpit to help him out. And so um, I get to start a new sermon series. And um, my promise to you today is that this sermon will land somewhere time lengthwise between my children's sermon last week and Jeff's sermon last week. (laughs) So... uh, So, yeah, we sure have to be careful with how we use scripture. Notice in our scripture today that the tempter here is using scripture with a hope that they might catch, that he might catch Jesus slipping. It is often when we think about the word of God as a double-edged sword as described in Hebrews chapter 4, we apply it to the lives of those around us and we can slip into weaponizing it for our own agenda rather than realizing that it is meant to penetrate our thoughts and our attitudes for transformation. Scripture is used in two ways in this encounter. One is focused on swaying and manipulating, 
and one is focused on the kingdom of God. It's just a disclaimer this morning as we begin our sermon, lest we fall into temptation. Our new sermon series is simply titled Jesus the Christ. At the church of the Annunciation in Nazareth, there are mosaics depicting Jesus and Mary in a way that represents multiple cultures from around the world. We have a few of those here. There are often negative comments about taking Jesus and removing him from his historical, cultural context. People point to the Germanic-looking Jesus and make comments regarding his actual ethnicity. While it is important to always keep in mind historical and cultural context, at some point we are called to bring Jesus into our culture and make him and his message relevant in our time and place. We want to take the next several weeks and do a deep dive into the ministry and teaching of Jesus so that maybe we can become a living representation of Jesus today. What is it about this Jesus? Did you know that the name Jesus or Yeshua was rather common for its time? Jesus is the transliteration of Yeshua into Greek and then to English. Archaeologists have uncovered 71 tombs for Yeshua's from the time of Jesus Christ. The name appears 30 times in the Old Testament referring to four different people. One of whom was a descendant of Aaron who helped distribute grain in 2 Chronicles. And a man who accompanied former captives of Nebuchadnezzar back to Jerusalem in Ezra 2.2. The long version of the name, Yehoshua, appears hundreds of times, mostly referring to the legendary conqueror of Jericho, or as you probably know him, Joshua. Yet, we know the name of Jesus to be the name above all names. This Jesus, the Christ. The announcement... To young Mary was astonishing. According to the author of Luke, Mary was deeply shaken by the news. And if that wasn't enough, we find the words of Simeon that he spoke in the temple in Luke chapter 2 when he said, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against 
so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. This is more than a precursor for you have your hands full with that one. Jesus begins as a mysterious rumor, a baby born among many, a Jesus among many, multiply displaced from a despised region, born to displaced parents in a barn. A decree is issued at the very possibility of his arrival. From birth, he is the ruler's prey. We know him as Jesus Christ, but then he was Jesus, son of Joseph, or Jesus of Nazareth. Very little is recorded about the time between birth and his beginning of his ministry. We know that Jesus causes panic for Mary and for Joseph when they can't find him because he slipped away to sit with the scholars in the temple. It's good news for anyone who, like me, disappeared a few times. When Gibson was about three or four, he wandered off and I was here at the church and Kristen was home with all the other kids and she couldn't find Gibson anywhere. And he had wandered off across the street to look at our neighbor's boat. He hadn't quite learned that fish shouldn't get that close to a boat. (laughs) Unlike the Apostle Paul, Jesus was not... (laughs) All right, unlike the Apostle Paul, Jesus was not educated as a Pharisee. As we will see and are probably already familiar with, Jesus often challenges them. Interestingly enough, it is likely that the desert was his classroom. Hmm. Where he likely learned Hebrew from the ascetics and scholars. While the common language was indigenous Aramaic and what is referred to as marketplace Greek. The desert was likely his classroom, and we find him in today's passage, back in the desert, in preparation for the very thing that brings us here today, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Some important things to note about this encounter in the desert. One, the tempter comes when he knows that Jesus is hungry. Two, what Jesus doesn't do. But also three, what the tempter doesn't do. It's important to note that the tempter can only manipulate not create. Believing that he could create something out of nothing is believing that he is a God. 
That is dualistic theism. The tempter is not God. So he's tempting Jesus to use his divine power apart from the Father for a temporary solution to hunger. And then he tempts him with power and authority. But he didn't have the power himself to make the bread. There's three temptations. What are you hungry for? How is the tempter trying to draw you away from the Father? Act apart from God. In our passage today, Jesus has emptied himself in preparation to be filled. The temptation here is to consume. Consume the bread. Consume the power. Consume authority. Taste it. Once you get a taste of the bread, you'll be satisfied. Once you get a taste of power, now we're talking, and now you want authority. Jesus was capable of all the things the tempter named, but to do them apart from the Father wouldn't be right. It wasn't about proving his divinity in that moment. It was about the kingdom of God. And the Father's work wasn't to be accomplished by turning stones into bread, surviving some great leap, or obtaining an earthly kingdom for himself. It wasn't enough to simply do these things and satisfy the moment. Short-term, quick-fix thinking wasn't what the Father wanted. Yet, the tempter dangles it in front of Jesus' face, and Jesus displays a far superior ability to remain grounded and what the Father intended for him. We're conditioned in our culture for quick fix, short-term thinking. We're here today as followers of Jesus, his church. But yet, we let it seep in. Just last week, we wrotely uttered it in our communion. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. Often we result to the quick fix and never get past the surface. Offering momentary relief at the cost of kingdom impact.
Until It's Slant by Eugene Peterson, he wrote, the temptations that use the raw material of good for evil can continuous can continue unrecognized for a long time without awareness. We have to be careful. Can we truly repent of that today? When we're focused on what's in it for us, we overlook the needs of our neighbors, the cries of the needy. How many people have left their church, any church, altogether because they were trying to turn stones into bread? It's a common excuse of not being fed. So they jump from stone building to stone building in search of bread to consume. And let me tell you folks, the bread that they want to consume often has to do with power and authority. Turning stones into bread had no kingdom value. It would have served Jesus, the person, but not the divine. Similarly, seeking for bread to consume without rolling up our sleeves only serves personal interest. God has far greater things for the church. We're often presented with easy routes, a new program as a reaction to sudden decline, hot off the press, mass-produced curriculum that reaches a broad spectrum, but not the soul. We often choose quantity over quality and miss the cries for deeper spiritual growth, deeper community, and deeper conversations. We fall for promises that a new denomination or a lack of denomination will ease the tension of division and maybe make us more appealing. Maybe give us some bread, some power, some authority, and make us more comfortable. Hmm. A friend of mine who passed away in 2005 embodied my perception of Jesus the Christ. And one thing that he said, a story that he told about his first experience with independence. He had just moved to Nashville from Kentucky to get into the music industry. He landed a job. He was happy. He needed groceries. He was hungry. So it was his first 
grocery store visit away from mom and dad, 19 years old. He goes in, he's grabbing all of his favorite things, all the things that mom kept stocked in the freezer. He's got frozen pizzas, he's grabbing cereal, he's grabbing milk, he's got all these things. And he's walking with them in his arms. In his excitement for this newfound freedom, he forgot to prepare by getting a buggy. <laughs> it hits home when you think about it. We settle for quick fixes all the time. And it's an easy target, but I'm going to pick on it too. Social media. We settle for posting and sharing that thing on social media because it quenches some deep need inside of us for affirmation and confirmation. Despite the division that it brings the friendships that it ends. Can we, can we own that? Can we say, you know what? It's not making our friends mad. It's making them turn their backs. Not only on us, but on God. <laughs> For what kingdom? What kingdom are we building? I'm sorry, I grew up Baptist. <laughs> but we throw it out there and we're not prepared for the friendships that it strains and we're unaware in the moment of the kingdom that it does represent it's not God's kingdom and it often robs others of their hope agency and dignity I just heard three sermons about those things. And for more on that behavior, we can go to this book right here and we can turn to Titus chapter 3. It's very short. Read the whole thing. It's a sermon in itself. Bread would have eased a physical hunger for Jesus. The power being offered would have secured a place for him to lay his head, which he later states that he has no home. Momentary comfort wouldn't satisfy the kingdom mission. Folks, we're still on that mission. We settle for these quick fixes that keep us at the center. God has greater for the church. The tempter was attempting to turn Christ's attention on himself. What we focus on determines what we miss. When we begin to, pre to protect our church experience, our time, our talents and gifts, we miss the cries of the needy and we fail to be an obedient church, even in the walls of the church. Because the church isn't contained in walls. 
What we're doing today isn't to serve this hour that we're in here. It's for the kingdom of God. First John 2.6 6 says, Whoever claims to abide in him must walk as Jesus did. Here, Jesus shows us the way. Don't miss this important part of the story. It was hard. This wasn't easy for Jesus. It was stressful. When the tempter tells Jesus to jump off the temple and that he will be caught by the angels. He was talking about physical pain. But the story ends with the angels coming and tending to Jesus for his emotional pain. We have gathered here today in the name of Jesus Christ to know him more and to make him known, to follow the example set forth and yet so many of us have gathered with no capacity to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll latch on to the next thing that promises bread, power, authority. And before long, what we consume, news, entertainment, vices, drama, consumes us. We give into the temptation to turn stones into weapons, verbally and sometimes physically. I invite you to lay it down. Lay it at the feet and in the hands of Jesus. It may be difficult, may be stressful. Lay it down today. And let this community surround you with love and forgiveness. As we say each and every time someone is baptized in this church, that we will surround them with love and forgiveness. Amen.